and gentlemen, boys and girls, TV time is here. That's right, we're talking about Murder, She Wrote. Murder, She Wrote. Murder, She Wrote. Oh, I, I should not say. Uh, kill by Kill. Greetings and salutations. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from Jamaica. No, I'm not going to do the accent. Uh, people on the show have a hard enough time doing the accent, and uh, it's just going to come off bad. Uh, Jamaica. <laughs> really, we're coming from a nice uh, garden cottage in uh, Arcadia, California. That's <laughs> the truth. Uh, this is the Kill What Kill podcast, where we're dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film or TV show. Uh, normally, we talk about a horror movie, but on our off weeks, we like to talk about a horror tangentially related episode of a TV program. This week, we're talking about a season six, episode seven of Murder, She Wrote, called Night of the Tarantula. Um, there is a tarantula involved, but ever so briefly, it's a cameo at best. Uh, but there's only one person I trust that... <laughs> I'm trying to choose one crazy element of this program, and it's hard to narrow it down. The one, the only, Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing today, Gina? I, I'm so excited to be here to play a game of how many racist things can John Reese davies say in less than 20 minutes. And this is scripted racist things for John Reese davies to say. This isn't things he's mentioned in his private life that have been, uh, you know, put on paper by a journalist or he, that he spouts out loud on a red carpet. This is, these were scripted lines and they, Ooh, baby, they, they fit like a, a, a snake in snakeskin, just perfect. <laughs> what is your relationship to Murder, She Wrote? Uh, my grandmother is a big fan of it, like okay. like everybody's grandmothers <laughs> during the 80s. Sure. Uh, so if I happened to to be at her house when it was on, uh, I mean, I don't know that I watch it particularly intently, but I, you know, I was aware of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I, I can say that I was a, regular viewer of it but it was obviously on every single sunday right after 60 minutes so it's like i paid as much attention to that as i did 60 minutes like it was something that was on i was probably doing whatever i fucking did at the time which was sulk and be a real fucking bastard of a teenager uh i was not cool (laughs) i think i was a righteous dick as a teenager and (laughs) recognizing that fact is as what i'm hoping makes me a better adult that being said um this particular episode um the best i can say for the cold open is live and let die called and they would like their setup back uh we are we're seeing (laughs) the a call to central casting for anyone who can pass for jamaican and they're going to chant ikungavaya as loudly as I can, um, or they're all just lip syncing to a backup track. That is the other thing, because I don't know what it is, but someone heard a kookaburra, you know, backing track and said, we need that. And we need it like every five seconds because the jungle noises here are off the chain. Yeah, they, they they really, really wanted to push the, the quote-unquote exotic setting of this episode. 
Yes, it's very exotic because uh, that is the thing you don't know about Jamaica and the islands until you go is that many of the jungle and bush there are pre-installed with black lights like a freshman dorm so that everything glows <laughs> when the camera's pointed on it. And this is, of course, what happens in the middle of the ceremony. This is when the night of the tarantula happens because you never see that tarantula who pops out of a box again he's gone baby yeah he never I, shows I, yeah up i i was puzzled by that i'm thinking like there's just be a tarantula in this yeah i guess the tarantula is the medium for the curse to land on the doll like they've thrown all the curse on the tarantula and he's like what do you want me to do with this and the, and the priest is like Get on that doll, rub your furry ass all over that doll, and curse that doll. And that's why I'm assuming it works as a white person who's completely disconnected to what is really an actual religion of people stolen from their homeland and dragged here to do all the work. Oh my God, this program was hard to watch. Yeah, it was. It was surprising just how casually, you know, and and you know, granted, like. You know, John Reese Davies' character is not supposed to be like a good guy. He's yeah. not supposed to be a nice guy. Mm. But like he's just like spouting off all this racist rhetoric and, and Jessica's just kinda like, oh, yeah. well, you know. What are you gonna do? <laughs> you know, just like 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 not like you know, you upbraiding him for it at all. No, 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 no. She's like, why are you bringing up things in the past? That's the sort of like brushing it off the shoulder, like, oh Henry. Henry's gonna Henry, and it's like, oh my god, it's just like a touch of ye old racism everywhere you look in this particular episode. Um, but then after this cold open, uh, we are jetted off to Jamaica Mon, and um, we're looking at a, a very stately manse. Uh, what you don't know is this is the Queen Anne Cottage at the LA County Arboretum, which is in Arcadia, California. It's right next to the Santa Anita racetrack and a very nice mall. It's actually a lovely garden, but uh, one of the weird things about it is this house, which if you look at it from a different angle, guess what? Uh, that's the Fantasy Island house. It's the same fucking house, baby. Yeah, I was doing a little research on this episode, and apparently it was used for another episode of Murder, She Wrote, just like three episodes earlier than this one. <laughs> well, it's got four sides. It has many personalities. I mean, you want to put Jessica Fletcher in a Queen Anne-designed house. I guess anyone will do. Uh, but they they obviously filmed this from the more tropical angle, I suppose. Um, and it's a great filming location because it's kind of isolated. Like you can shut down that part of the park and do whatever you want, which they did for years for Fantasy Island. So they're very used to it. Uh, in reality, it's surrounded by a man-made lake. Um, it's where I did tr advanced training with my dog. <laughs> uh, used to wheel Oliver around there all the time when he just learned how to walk. So he would chase the, uh, the peacocks. He would just see one and race after them. That's how we knew he could run. So he never like encountered a voodoo ritual or anything like no. that? <laughs> yeah. As far as I'm aware, Arcadia, not the hub of voodoo or hoodoo or any do beyond peacock do in Arcadia, California. It's just uh, not a source for that necessarily. Um, but when, so Jessica meets an old friend who turns out to be Nancy from Oliver 
uh, that was, that was, I learned that after the fact. I'm like, where do I know this person? Oh, she was Nancy and Oliver. And they're talking about a, a different friend and like what they used to do back in the day. And they're like, remember the time we, we all drove off in the middle of the night to go see Winston Churchill. Like, were they planning to do a three-way with Winston Churchill? <laughs> That's the implication. Those were Jessica's freak years. Yeah, they will. And she should be allowed to, you know, have a fast and loose, you know, teens and twenties. I'm not here to judge her in that, in that way, but I guess that's the relationship they have. And they meet every once in a while, but of course, because Jessica's in town and she's a fucking death magnet, uh, someone going to be dying, but you would be surprised at how long it takes for someone to pass away in this particular episode. Usually they kick it by the second uh, break, but no, not here. Um, so, uh, motive number one is we hear that Adam, the eldest of the two boys that were some, not really Jessica's, I guess Jessica friends, she's the mom, but the father passed away. And John Reese Davies is playing Henry, who's like a, a brother and he's helped raise the boys. Yeah, he's her brother. It's it's a it's a weird dynamic, um, but he's like very into you know being a plantation owner, and that it takes a type, and I think everyone in the audience will know exactly what that type <laughs> is. So mo- motive number one is Adam, the eldest, is inheriting the ownership of the plantation once he turns thirty, and so uh, John Reese Davies is not happy about this. He's not happy about the younger brother. He's not happy about Reggie music or reggae music, which <laughs> he lives on this fucking <laughs> island. You're telling me someone who's lived on this island for multiple decades does not know what reggae music is, Gina. Yeah, he's just very pish posh about the whole thing. <laughs> is pish posh British for a fucking racist? Because that's how he comes off real easy. And uh, I would not listen. It's written that way, but also it's John Reese Davies. You know what I mean? And uh, the man is talked a lot. It's a very plausible that he is horribly racist <laughs> in, this, in this episode. And all, all I could keep thinking of is this is only a couple of years out from um, uh, uh, the serpent and the rainbow. Sure. Yeah. Um, which the grand, that was not Jamaica. That was Haiti. Right. Yeah. But um but all I could think of is, well, man, I, I would love it if at some point in this episode, someone nailed John Reese Davies' balls to a chair. Just spike the ball. Just You don't have to do both, Gina. That's the thing about that kind of spell. Just one. Yeah. You just, one will just one'll do you. <laughs> and uh, you can live with the other one uh, and, you know, <laughs> recover. Oh, serpent in the rainbow. I mean, I loved it at the time. I know I've seen it since, but I haven't seen it in a while, and I'm a little afraid to revisit it. The The other one that I remember that my friend Ryan was obsessed with in high school was uh, The Believers with Martin Sheen. Have you ever seen that one? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I remember one well. Yeah, that one's mean. That one's mean as fuck. That uh, that's a movie that kind of doesn't exist anymore. She got the spiders crawling out of her face, Patrick. The spiders. <laughs> the spiders. It's it's heinous. It is it is heinous. Uh, the believers is mean. 
Um, there's a lot, there's a, I think there's a child murder if I'm remembering correctly in that one. It, it's a lot. Um, yeah. There was a, they, they, a child murder and it ends badly. <laughs> oh yeah. Maybe, maybe we put the believers. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. Uh, one of these days. Um, anyways, uh, let's get to motive number two, which is a rat poison dispute. Um, the younger brother is very pissed off about the kind of rat poison they're using. And John Reese Davies is like, it still works, God damn it. Uh, and yes, they're making a big deal of it because it will come back into play later on in the episode, like every conversation that happens on Murder, She Wrote. That's okay. We've come here for a cozy murder mystery. And it, the, the colonialist racism is just, you know, the, <laughs> the, the confetti on top of the cake. It just so happens that it's covered in cake confetti. It's like a garnish, you know, when you order <laughs> order a tropical drink and they give you like a little spear of pineapple in it. Sure, right. You hear the racism is the little spear of pineapple. It's a, it's a, it's a pickled uh, green bean in your Bloody Mary. Um, <laughs> so, but it is true that the source of most generational conflicts is rat poison and which is the best one. Certainly that's the conversation I have with my parents the most. Um, so enter Jean-Pierre, who I assumed on first look was a kind of gigolo hired to be Jessica's quote unquote date. Well, no, I mean, honestly, for me, as soon as he appeared on screen, I'm like, I'm like, he did it. <laughs> he, he doesn't look like he didn't do it. The, the, it doesn't even happen yet. And I'm like, whatever it is, he did it. <laughs> he did something, it, whether it's murder or attempted murder or would like to murder. It's a bit of a difficulty when you introduce a character actor who appears to be 85% skull and the rest a leather atrophied by hate. I don't know. He might, he might have been a very nice guy, but it just, he looks like he's the bad guy no matter what. He's sort of a, a low budget version of, um, of uh, Belloc from, from Raiders of the Lost <laughs> yeah, Ark. Yes. Yes, he's C-grade Belloc for sure. He's he's Belloc that's way down the call list. Like if Belloc does not call back and then eight other people don't call back, you get Jean-Pierre. <laughs> um, and then we meet Jean-Pierre's daughter, Michelle, who suffers from something I would like to call excessive antics syndrome, where she just... <laughs> She doesn't know how a body moves when a camera's pointing at her, like her arms. What do they do? What do they do normally? I've forgotten. The camera's pointed at me. How do people talk like they're normal human beings? Mm. I'm giving you halfway French, halfway Valley girl. Does that work? Does that sound Jamaican to you? Because that's what she's doing. And it, it, uh, it is embarrassing. Oh, I mean, we'll, we'll get to embarrassing accents momentarily, but but the, the the really funny thing about this episode is every single person has an accent, and they are all different from each yes. other. They, apparently, this farm covers so many different areas of Jamaica that when people go off to their separate corners, they have developed different accents. Um, why Michelle who granted has been raised by a French person in Jamaica has a, mm, a French dressing uh, accent. I mean, she's about as French as Perrier, 
bottled in Oxnard, California. Yeah, she sort of got that accent that you would put on if you're like an 80s sex comedy and playing like the maid. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, all I can think like, of- oh, like, like, oh, I can't, I cannot believe this. <laughs> Mon Dieu. Again, I do not do accents. I'm not good at it. I will not attempt it. Um, but uh, Mon Dieu, I seem to have lost my clothing. <laughs> Can someone help me? And then all the guys from the boys' school are like, oh, 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 oh. That's, that's a level of acting that's happening here. So uh, I did write down in my notes because when, when John Reese Davies mistakes reggae for Reggie, all I could think of was him on like that one Twitter account that collects all the star, all the hosts of Saturday Night Live saying to the camera who the musical guest is, ladies and gentlemen, Reggie. <laughs> um, but what really kind of takes the cake is, okay, so Adam, you know, or, or the younger brother, oh, fuck, what is his name again? His name. Mark. Mark. Uh, I can't tell the difference between the two of them. One has longer hair than the other. Uh, Mark is hardworking, but kind of an idiot, at least according to, to Henry, who's a racist asshole. Adam doesn't is not very is very smart but maybe doesn't really care for the traditions of a plantation which who can fucking blame him and meanwhile uh they've decided to put on a surprise birthday party for adam and so while everyone's waiting for him to arrive into the room walks uh a, a an old friend grand l bush uh, who's a great character actor, worked a lot of, uh, he's in the, he's a sideline character in so many action movies. It would be amazing to kind of put them all together. My, I guess the one I always reflect on is he's the junior FBI agent. He's the little Johnson in Die Hard. He's also in uh, Exorcist 3. Oh, that's correct. He's, yes, he's, uh, the other cop in your unit who gives you exposition. He's great at that. Here, he's given a little bit more meat on the bone, but he's also been given a Jamaican accent, which is unruly. And he's doing a mo. He, uh, listen, I'm not one to judge what is a great Jamaican accent. It just rolls off the tongue a little bit better for him for the most part until he gets to the end of his how I used to work in Hollywood and came back to be a journalist in, in, in my home island. And he goes, well, I might come home to Jamaica. <laughs> like, why did you extend that? <laughs> first, first of all, that doesn't sound right to my ear. Again, not an expert. But secondly, you've also come home to Pasadena, man, because you're not in Jamaica and nothing about this really comes off like Jamaica. Again, it's a TV show. I don't come to murder. She wrote for fucking reality. That's not what I'm here for. So that being done, I do think it's odd that one year after Die Hard, he is doing TV again. He should be a bigger star, but uh, what are you going to do? Great character actor. Um, but Adam arrives and the whole like, happy birthday. And he's like, fuck all y'all. Jessica is in the house. And he makes a beeline for her. Like, listen, all y'all 
fuck off. My girl Jessica is here. She the spotlight is on Jessica. Meanwhile, Michelle's in the background, like, oh Adam, I've waited so long for you to return. He's like, fuck y'all. <laughs> Jessica's here. I only have <laughs> eyes like, for Jessica. <laughs> Listen, this 60-year-old still jogging bitch. Like, she is it. All right. Everyone else can fuck it. And so <laughs> he goes. Listen, I'm he, what, he watched that. Here. He watched that workout video she made, and he is he is he is he is moving in there. Yeah, listen, she's looking great. Who could deny her? Um, but he's like, I'm so glad you're here, and I'm glad everyone else is here because then I can just take care of this in one fell swoop. And into the room walks Selena, and guess what, everybody? To everyone's surprise, Selena is his wife. <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Like everybody is sort of shocked. Uh-huh. And uh and and um yeah, I I guess you're I mean initially I thought, "Oh, okay, they're shocked because he you know got married this girl out of the blue." Right. And didn't tell anybody he was getting married. You know, it it, it happened sure. fine. And of mm-hmm. course, although his mother doesn't know this, it is it has gotten in the way of uh what we soon to are soon to realize is uh Harry and Jean-Pierre, that mm-hmm. his name, I forget, Jean something, uh, plan to to marry their children off so that Jean-Pierre can get a third of the property because apparently the, the, the plantation originally belonged to him. Uh, Henry's father wanted from his father a poker game. Yeah. But then you realize <laughs> in the next scene that the reason why everybody is shocked at the appearance of this young woman <laughs> is because she is supposed to be black mm. and she is played by an obviously white woman yes and who I- is putting on <laughs> some kind of accent it's not jamaican no it truly is not jamaican i don't know what it is but jamaican is not a i the thought it was it sort of Quebecois? <laughs> I don't know. All I know is when this 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 black man shows up looking for his daughter, daughter. You know, like, and and then she runs up to him and goes, "Puppy, what are you doing here?" <laughs> and it's just like, wait, what? She's supposed to be like, huh? <laughs> and again, like you know, this is nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, I know that's a long time ago. Sure, but th- there were. Black actresses working oh, on, on, on television. Like, like did, did like Lisa Bonet not take somebody's call this week? Right. No. Was 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 a young was a young Holly Berry on a on a modeling assignment? <laughs> there there were just a litany of people that could have fielded this call, but Nancy Vallon would not be the one you think. And someone's like, I don't know, we'll curl her this, hair. That's no, and no. This is a this is a, this is a brunette with a tan. <laughs> like she, she, you know, like they're not even trying. It, it is astonishing. They, they cast a white woman as basically the daughter of a voodoo priest. Yeah. It just sounds like the, 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 the worst kind of like, fanfic imaginable right and i mean it's introduced with the idea that like he's very protective of her because her mom died but uh i mm, no this is uh bad this is bad casting (laughs) in a multitude of ways 
this is like this is like I mean legitimately offensive. Yes. <laughs> and I was a little I was a, I was very taken aback at this. Like it, it took a minute for me to register that that wait what she's not supposed to be white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um it's an interesting casting. Um, one hundred percent. So, uh, she walks in. <laughs> It's like that's the biggest mystery. That's the biggest mystery in this episode. (laughs) It is. Like, how does that work? I think is on everyone's lips, but they can't say it out loud because this is CBS in 1989. At one point, um, she responds to something by saying, "And it's a good ting," and you're like, "Okay, this is I am." It just the back of my teeth itch. This doesn't work. It just does not It's like, oh, Lord, take me now. (laughs) Harry has a meeting with John Pierre and Michelle. They're very angry because they're like, hey, you promised that the oldest son was going to marry my daughter. We were going to take over this entire plantation. And, you know, you were going to make it up to me that someone that I lost this in a a gambling debt somehow. And (laughs) John Reese davies is acting... To the back row, unfortunately, this isn't theater. And it just comes off as the most amazing amount of bluster you can possibly imagine. And he he's, he like looks at both of them and is like, I don't know what you're going to do. Anything can happen. Have you considered killing my adopted son? And, or whatever relationship he is to them. And they're like, uh, maybe... And so now we're just waiting for somebody to kill somebody. And in the meantime, it's just like racist trope after racist trope. And then uh, they receive a wedding package, which I wish I got. I dreamed of getting a skull with a snake crawling out of its mouth as a wedding gift. And what did I get? Like a crock pot? It's not the same, y'all. Yeah, I mean, this is like the one part of the show that's actually pretty cool. (laughs) <laughs> it is cool, especially because they cut a hole in the table to to shove the snake out because the snake does not appear to really be a a, a speedy traveler. Let's say he's not uh, scary in the sense that he's gonna jump out at you. He's kind of like, listen, they gave me a little something something so that I would behave on set. So <laughs> I'm just gonna crawl. Is everyone quiet down? very loud in here for Mr. Snake. I'm just going to take a nap. And then Mark picks him up. It's like, this This snake won't harm anybody. It's uh, it, it eats rats. So uh, I'll put it out of the field so it'll eat rats. It's actually great. And John Reese Davies, and, and this, after this reveal, goes, bloody mambo jambo. <laughs> Yeah, he he really like this is at least the third time he's pulled out a gun from out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> he looks he looks he looks disappointed time and time again that he does not get an opportunity to use it. Yeah. It, he 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 pulls out a gun, he has a cane, he never gets to strike or shoot anybody, and you can just feel like he really wants to, but he can't. So later that night, everyone's gone to bed and they're woken up by jungle drums the most stereotypical jungle (laughs) drums you can possibly imagine uh 
And so uh, Selena's like, oh, those are talking drums. Something bad's going to happen. And you look at Adam and Mark, and I'm staring at Adam, and I'm staring at Adam, and I'm staring at Adam like, where do I know this fucking guy from? And I look up on his IMDb, and I'm like, okay, I recognize some of these movies, but this isn't where I recognize him from. And then I'm like, how is th- how is this Adam guy not Mark from Top Secret? Because they look exactly the same. Yeah, I thought it was, it kind of looks like them. For a second, I thought it was uh, the guy from uh, the, the, the Blood Rage. Oh, sure. He just kind of has that like, yes. generic blonde guy mm-hmm. look. Yeah, the, the bad guy in Passenger 57, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the you know, when when Hans Gruber won't pick up the phone, you get you get him. Uh but uh this is all set up for them discovering that Harry's door is locked and no one can get in, and then Jessica's like, wait a second, I learned something from uh, a Thin Man movie or a Charlie Chan movie. And you're like, oh my god, the fucking racism. Okay. Anyways, she pushes the key out. It drops onto a mat. She pulls the mat out from underneath the door. Boom, oh, bang, oh, wang, oh. You got yourself a key. They open up the door, and then there's that that tiny snack, that three-foot snack sitting on top of Henry, and he's got purple marks on his neck. Oh, my God. That tiny snack killed this man. Killed this this large man. (laughs) Yes, this 275-pound man was taken down by this tiny rat-eating snake. I mm, I can see why Jessica's hackles are raised, that something just isn't right here. Well, like I said, I mean, I'm already convinced that it's that, you know, the the uh, you know, uh, Selena's voodoo priest dad is a, a, a red herring. Right. Um, because it just, it, it's so, you know, obvious because he just, you know, comes on so strong and so villainous because you know racism (laughs) Um, that like okay well well, he couldn't possibly be the villain here and because there is much you know laying of crumbs and setup that of course it has to be jean-pierre yes although they are trying to throw some suspicion other places obviously mark might be it. Adam might be offended at, at how Uncle Henry treated his new wife. And then uh, there's Selena herself, whom we slam cut to in the after the act break, who's massaging Adam's neck from the front. From the front, Gina. <laughs> Who gets a neck massage where their fucking Adam's apple is? This is, he claims she is doing this to get rid of a headache. Oh, I was going to say, it's, it's, to cure his, it's, it's to cure his migraines. <laughs> that is when she isn't feeding him full of tea that's so suspicious, she can't tell anybody what's in it. So that also doesn't help. But again, this is going a long way to try to make something else happened like some other red herring happened because Jean-Pierre just exists and looks like the bad guy. But later during a dinner, um, Jean-Pierre brings a very special wine that he'd always meant to share with Henry and they never got to. And so it is, uh, Mark gives it to Adam first because he's sitting at the head of the table. He is now the new head of the plantation. And, um, he grabs his head like he's being scanned <laughs> and drops to the floor. And then 
they go to the hospital, a doctor who does not look like he has memorized his lines kind of quickly jabs him with something and awkwardly walks out of the room. And Jessica's like, what's going on? And he's like, well, it's a good thing. He actually was, uh, he ingested a toxin. And what actually prevented him from dying was that he was given the antidote in small doses beforehand. And Selena's like, oh yeah, the antidote just happens to be in the tea I was giving him. And And Mark's like, oh, how fortunate that you put something in his tea that prevented his death murderer like that's not really how murder works i hate to i hate to break it to mark who again not presented as the sharpest tool in the shed if you want to kill somebody you don't give them something that prevents them from dying that's just that's not real good murder 101 and yet i feel like that this whole that whole bit was kind of framed as a sort of right yes maybe you're the murderer (laughs) I, I, maybe they didn't know who the murderer would be and they were all making it up as they went along like a big improv. I don't know. But it does, after the fact, seem really stupid to say and really even stupider to think. But there we go. Anyway, <laughs> Je- Jessica and uh, and George, uh, uh, who's Grand Bush. Uh, who's a journalist in town. They're like obsessed with the idea. Like someone had to be able to get into Henry's room, even though it was locked from the inside. Maybe there was a secret passage. They get the plans. They discover that the, uh, they discover a fucking secret passage. And between all of this, they kind of put two and two together. Whoever knew about the secret passage is obviously the killer and there's only one person who had intimate knowledge of the house. It's the guy who used to live there until he lost it in a gambling debt. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Jean-Pierre. And so somehow in the midst of this, Jessica Fletcher writes a play in which Jean-Pierre comes to the house and everyone has their lines memorized for like, listen, uh, turns out Adam's dead. Uh, Selena is just out of her mind, racked with um, guilt and or depression. And so she's upstairs. Can you just stay in the house while we're gone and we take care of Adam's affairs? And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, I can do that. Um, you know, I know this place like the back of my hand. And they're all like, well, they, a lot of side eye. They leave. And then Selena comes down. And then here's her actor's workshop where she's wandering around the house in a nightgown <laughs> with a fucking candle. Like she's the cover of a gothic horror novel and <laughs> talking about him not really dead. And you're like, Oh, please. He, be, he, he belongs. He belongs to me. <laughs> he never leave me like, Oh no, no, no. Everything I do would just sound more racist, but I promise you this has plenty of racism. I don't need to add to it. And as a result, <laughs> Um, she sees through the gauzy uh, window garters, uh, there is Adam, and he's pale as a sheet, yet walking. Oh, my God. He has become un zombie. And Jean-Pierre uh, loses his shit, grabs the gun that uh, Henry had brandished earlier, and shoots Adam in the chest. Not the head. The chest. Thank God. Several times. And you're thinking... 
Didn't Jessica both write and rehearse this full ass play and then go, who here has a full makeup kit and squibs? And it turns out it's George. George <laughs> has all this shit. Here's, here's what I, here, let, let me just stop you for a second. Sure. We don't see the scene. We don't see the scene where she convinced everybody to participate. <laughs> no. In this play. But they're into Where it. she basically tells them, okay, I think, here's what I think happened. I think Jean-Pierre has orchestrated this. So here's how we're going to get him to, to infest up and admit to his misdeeds. Adam, you're going to dress up like a zombie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to dress up like a zombie, get equipped with squibs. Someone will will fire them when he fires the gun, and it'll work perfectly. I promise you this gun is loaded with blanks. Right, yes. I promise you. I, yes, and that's never gone wrong. It's never gone wrong lately, and it's not gone wrong to the point which you fucking end up being put on charges by the uh, state of New Mexico. Uh, so, and again, if he goes out the front door, which he very well can do, uh, this plan is over, but you know, some, you know, bubble-headed blonde with big fake tits, instead of going out the front door, w- runs up the stairs. He does the exact same fucking thing. And he goes to Henry's room. Why? Because he knows the secret out. Even if the zombie follows him in, he can lock the door and he can go down the secret passage. But of course, on the other end of the secret passage is Jessica Fletcher and the police captain who has been filled in at this point as to how this will ultimately prove him to be a murderer. Also, we then learn that Adam's makeup kind of stops below his chin, which again, (laughs) for a makeup job, you're trying to convince this guy that you're a zombie. Do the neck, just do the neck. And then put on the white shirt. It's fine. So she had to like she had to convince the police chief of what was going on. Too. Right. Somehow. And then she all but then she recounts how he did it. It's like, well, he knew that there was this secret entrance. So he went up to Henry's room and choked him to death. And you're like, and you see his hands in this, like she's projecting her dream scenario. And you see his frail old man hands barely get around John Rhys Davies' neck and you're like, well, this shit didn't fucking happen. There's, I believe that snake strangled that man more than this enfeebled 70-year-old who can barely keep his <laughs> massive skull alight a on top of his body. But okay, for sure. Yeah, he totes did it massively. So he gets carted away in handcuffs and everyone's like, yay! And that that's about it. Like I, we could, we can't play choose your own death venture. Cause there's only one way to go, which I, well, let's do it this way. If you had, if you were to choose your own adventure and die in one of the ways presented in this episode of murder, she wrote, which one would you choose and why would you choose to be strangled by a three foot snack or strangled by a Frenchman with very bony hands? Which one is the last one you want to look at? Uh, the snake, honestly. I mean, I, I think that the snake would probably have enough, like, you know, get enough, you know, you know, raw muscle power to, uh-huh. to, to, to end me. Where I just feel like, 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 you know, the Frenchman would be like trying to choke me. I'd be like, come on, man. Come on. Just yeah. Keep, I, 
just, just put a pillow over my face or something. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Sit on it. That would be a better way to, to make sure that I die than you just, you know, enfeebly grasping me around the neck going, oh, I, I just don't think he could actually reach around. Strangling people takes work, I'm told. So, you know, there's that. So, yeah, the, I'm going with the snake. The snake is the only one who can do the job correctly. Um, I'd rather feel that deliciously scaly embrace than that that bony hand. Um, that just about does it. Gina, where can people find you on these here internets? I write about movies and television at the school.net. Uh, I have a sub stack where I think I would do some pretty good work there. That's watchesthings.substack.com. And I am on Twitter mm-hmm. and Instagram under Gina Does Things. Do it today, people. Check it out. Of course, uh, you know, uh, you can find us on uh, the socials. Uh, come to our Patreon where we're doing really fun stuff. We are, we, this month, uh, we will be having a uh, Patreon listener's choice, whatever that may be. We don't know. We're kind of doing a lot of things in advance around here. And of course, uh, just at the end of, uh, of February, we talked about Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which has got to be good. It's one of our faves. Um, next week, we'll be back with the movie episode. Uh, so don't worry, folks. The body count will continue for myself and for Gina. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye.